So many of us just want to get back now, don't we? Back to normal, back to work, back to school or university, back to our activities, back to socialising, back to having people in our houses, back to being able to just get in our car or on a bus and a train and go anywhere. We want to get back to church without having to plan and book in. We want to get back to singing and worshipping with other people. And it feels maybe for the first time in a year that many of these things that we long for are nearly within our grasp. For me, as soon as Nicola Sturgeon made her surprise announcement on Tuesday that those of us in Scotland could travel outside our local authority area, I was immediately planning, where can I get to in East Lothian this weekend, probably along with the rest of Edinburgh. After the year we've all had, it's not surprising that for many, we just want to get back to some normal. And yet, as much as we long to get back to normal, we've also been given a unique opportunity in time to reflect, to capture the good things, to make choices now that bring about lasting change. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, if you like, to press reset, to do things differently in so many aspects of our life. And this applies to church too. We could just jump back in when we're able and do everything we've always done. But as Dave explained in the interview with Mark that we streamed uh, over the last week, we're taking April and May as a season of prayer to pause, to reflect, to repent, to listen, to ask God to renew and to revive us. And this is not just for the leadership of the church or for those in connect groups to take part in, but for all of us, every one of us, who would say that P's and G's is their church. And so we would encourage you, if you can, to sign up for the Wednesday prayer gatherings we're having as we worship and pray and listen to God together. And to help us through this season, over the next few weeks, we're going to explore, be exploring the Old Testament books of Haggai and Zechariah, starting today, as you've already heard from Tom, with Haggai. Haggai's short sermon or prophecy is given in 520 BC, 16 years after Zerubbabel and Joshua, the high priest, not the one from the walls of Jericho fame, this is a different one, had led the people of Israel back to Jerusalem, back not from a one-year pandemic, but from a 50-year exile in Babylon. And they had a lot of resetting to do and a lot of rebuilding. During the 50 years of exile, the city of Jerusalem had been destroyed and the beautiful temple built by Solomon was in ruins. And so the priority of the people on their return was to rebuild and restore the city and the temple. But in these first few verses of Haggai's sermon, we discover that even though they'd been back in Jerusalem now for 16 years, nothing has happened. The city is still a mess and the temple is still ruined. And so Haggai speaks the word of God into this situation, challenging the people that they've been putting their own concerns, their own priorities before God's. 
through this book of, uh, book of Haggai, we will see the prophet, in a sense, holding up a mirror to the people and calling them to reflect on the situation they're in, to reflect on the fact that the one thing they were called to do by God to rebuild the temple, they haven't done. We have a unique opportunity in this moment of time to stop and reflect as a church and as individuals, as families, as connect groups, to reflect on and refocus on what the priorities are that God is calling us to. Maybe if we just rush back to what has always been and, and what we've always done, we could be like these returned exiles in Jerusalem who were so concerned with their own comfort, their own priorities, that they'd miss what God had actually called them back to Jerusalem to be and do. And so as we look in more detail at this passage in the next few minutes from Haggai chapter one, we're gonna notice two things that the Lord challenges the people of Israel on. Firstly, the way that they make excuses, and secondly, how they've just prioritized the wrong thing. So firstly, excuses. When the Israelites had first returned to Jerusalem, they had begun work on the temple for a couple of years. But for some reason, we don't know exactly what the reason was, they downed their tools and started to make excuses for their lack of progress. And so in chapter one, verse two, Haggai begins his prophecy saying, the Lord says, these people say. Now notice that the Lord calls them these people. And that is a rebuke in itself because we know that normally in Old Testament prophecy, the Lord refers to the people of Israel as my people, not these people. The Lord says, these people say, the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be, to be built. For some reason, the people had decided to down tools and to make the excuse that, oh, you know, the time just isn't right for us to rebuild the temple at the moment. And God calls them out for that. Now, I haven't been asked to restore a temple, but this sort of excuse sounded familiar to me. I wonder if it does to you. But our excuses might go along the lines of, I'll do what you want me to do, God, when I have a bit more time or a bit more money or a few more resources, when I don't have as much responsibility. Or we'll do what you want us to do when we have done all the other stuff. Or I'll do it when I'm older or wiser or more confident. Or maybe I haven't found church online easy, but when we get back to the building, I'll engage again. Or maybe when we get back to the building with larger numbers, I will. Or I do enjoy my Sundays. Or when, we'll sing, when we can sing again, Al. And to be honest, the reason it's so easy to say these things, make these sorts of excuses, and convince ourselves that they're actually valid reasons is because we, along with most of Western society, have been taken in by the ideology of individualism into believing that actually my life is, is my own and I can just do what I want with it. But as followers of Jesus, there are two things that counteract this ideology of individualism. Firstly, as Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 6, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. It cost Jesus life to save you and I. 
We've been bought at a price. We belong to him. We are adoptive sons and daughters of the king. And our calling in response to all that Jesus has done for us is to love God and to love other and serve others, not just do what we want when we want. And secondly, as a Christian, you and I are part of the body of Christ, the community of believers. And that means your spiritual gifts, your talents, who you are, who God has made you to be, are all important to enable the body of Christ to function. I remember going through a stage uh, of not being bothered with church, and I just sort of rocked up when I felt like it, until someone wise took me aside and said, you might not feel like being here, but actually we notice when you're not here, it's not just about you, it's about what you bring to the body. We all have excuses, don't we? When I was 22, it was my last term at university, uh, and I had a deeply profound God moment where I just knew in a way that I have rarely known anything with such certainty that the Holy Spirit was speaking to me and telling me that God was calling me to ordained ministry. I was absolutely horrified. And so I spent two years making excuses why I couldn't do it. I'm not a man. Uh, there weren't very many women vicars at that time. I don't want to be boring. Vicars are all boring. I want to work for the BBC and be a Blue Peter presenter first, and then, you know, I might get round to it. Maybe when I'm 40 and I've had my life and done everything I want to do, I'll do it. You know, actually, I want to be married. No one will marry a female vicar. Uh, or maybe I've got it wrong and I was actually meant to be a youth worker. I could relate to the sentiments of St. Augustine when he said in the fourth century, God, give me grace, but not yet. And I was saying, I'll follow you, but not yet. And not in that way. But it was like God was just pursuing me. And I got to the point where I just knew that this was what God was calling me to be. And if I was to be obedient, I needed to surrender all my ambition, all my plans, my future, my everything to him and allow him to do the rest. And secondly, the priorities were wrong. Going back to Haggai, we discover in verses three and four that whilst the temple had been left in ruins, the people had built for themselves panelled houses. Now, these panelled houses, we're talking here of like 5th century BC equivalent of a luxury detached all the bells and whistles type house. During the years that they should have been rebuilding the Lord's house, the temple, the people have been making their own houses their priority, using their resources, money, time, talents to build their own houses first, to feather their own nest, if you like. And so the Lord again holds up a mirror to them and says, and ask them to reflect on the recent challenges and setbacks they've had. In verses five and six, the Lord is basically pointing out to them, have you noticed that since you stopped working on the temple and prioritized your own houses, you've planted much, but you've harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only uh, to put them in your purse with holes in. God is saying, look, all these things you've invested in, planting, eating, drinking, earning, all these things, you know, they don't satisfy. 
they haven't brought the returns you expected. Why? Because even though they're all fine and good and productive things in themselves, you have neglected me in it all. Jesus puts it another way in Matthew 6:33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus is saying, focus on what's important first, God's kingdom, following his ways, and he will sort out everything else. I've always thought of myself as a great multitasker. But over the past few months, there's one area of my life where I have just completely lost the ability to multitask. And that's when I'm writing a text message or WhatsApp message. I only became aware that this was a problem when, whilst texting with a friend a couple of months ago, I noticed my teenage son standing next to a wall, wall, going like this. And I was like, Zachary, what are you doing? And he said, this is what it's like trying to talk to you when you're writing a message. You are completely oblivious to what anyone else is saying or doing. And the thing is, I actually do want to talk to and listen to my children. I do want to be present for them. But when my phone pings and I pick it up and I read and respond to whatever the message is, it so easily distracts me and becomes my complete priority. I wonder whether, for some of us, the possibilities that come with the easing of lockdown, new work, travel, a social life again, these things have become our focus, have distracted us from God's priorities for our lives. Or when it comes to, to making choices about how we're going to live this, in this sort of wonderful but extraordinarily liberal, materialistic, individualistic society, our gaze is so easily distracted from, God, from what God's priorities are. We can so easily just do and buy and believe what everyone else is doing, buying and believing. And we find ourselves just blending in with the masses before we even notice it. And we lose our distinctiveness as Christians. It's almost too easy and attractive for us to build our own versions of panelled houses so that building a life of worship and devotion to Jesus and loving him and loving our neighbour as Jesus loves us, well, that just shifts down our priority list. So the heart of the challenge that Haggai brings to the people of Israel in Jerusalem in 520 BC is just as relevant to us today as it was for them. Have you, have I, put our concerns our own priorities before God's. So let's use this season of prayer to reflect and reset, individually and as a church. Maybe start by acknowledging and repenting of the excuses we make in our relationship with God, or in relation to church, or the things we do and say in terms of how we can or can't worship or serve him or spend time with him. There are always so many excuses why we don't or can't or haven't got time to pray or read the Bible. So maybe for some of us, our reset is in this area, to commit to reading the Bible again and to praying every day. Set yourself a challenge. Put 10 minutes aside every day for this. 
If you don't know where to start, I can recommend the Lectio 365 app as a good way into prayer and Bible reading again. Maybe we just need to spend time acknowledging where have I, where have you made other things in our lives more important than Jesus? Where do we need to reorder our priorities? Where do we need to be renewed, revived by the Holy Spirit, ready for whatever lies ahead? Let's pray together. Father God, we're sorry for those times where we make excuses in our lives. We make excuses before you. We repent of those times where we just go along with what everybody else is doing in society. And we forget the life that you've called us to live. We follow the priorities of the world rather than your priorities laid out by Jesus. Lord, help us to reset ourselves over the coming weeks to spend time with you to allow your Holy Spirit to speak into each of our lives to revive us and renew us Amen <laughs>